We're going to have two passages of Scripture today. The first is in Numbers chapter 6. Numbers chapter 6. And the second one is in Galatians chapter 3. Numbers chapter 6. In Galatians chapter 3. And I want to use the title for us today, How Can Sinners Be Blessed by a Holy God? How Can Sinners Be Blessed by a Holy God? I'll start with the Galatians chapter 3 passage, and then we'll come back to, well, let me look, we'll look at at Numbers chapter 6 first. Numbers chapter 6, verse 22. It reads, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, thus, you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. For the one who is righteous will live by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the works of the law will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. In order that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for all that you have done for us in Christ. Lord, we oftentimes come to the cross and we think about the physical pain that you suffered, but we don't think much beyond that. I pray, Lord, as we work our way through these passages today, we would understand exactly what you were going through spiritually, mentally, and emotionally hanging on that cross, being rejected and abandoned by your father, becoming a curse for us so that we could receive the blessing of salvation. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody wants to be blessed. (laughs) Everybody wants prosperity. We even have it on our bumper stickers, God bless America. Okay. 
We want God's benefits and we want the best that God has for us. And God also wants us to be blessed. God wants us to experience his prosperity and he wants us to experience all the good things that he has created for us. As a matter of fact, I think that this is what is taking place in Genesis chapter one. Real quick, I'll read it to you. When God creates Adam and Eve. Verse 26 begins. I hate new Bibles. The pages stick together. (laughs) There we go. Listen to what happens when when God created Adam and Eve. He says, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Notice in Genesis chapter one, verses 26 through 28, that the blessing is tied to being fruitful, multiplying, having many children and also having rulership and dominion over the earth. The word blessing means that you have been empowered to prosper. He blessed them so that they could be fruitful and multiply and have dominion over the earth. That is God's intention for mankind. God is a benevolent God who wants to do good things to his creation, but God is also holy question is how holy is God Isaiah chapter 6 says that God is holy 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 and if you were to look at all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation you will never see any other attribute of God repeated three times the Bible never says that God is good 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 okay But it does say that he is holy, holy, holy. God is holy. That means that he is pure and he is completely set apart from us and from our sin. And Habakkuk chapter one, verse 13 says that God is so holy, he cannot even look at sin. He can't even look in the direction of sin. God is so holy that when his son became sin on our behalf, God had to look away from his son and his son felt the abandonment and screamed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God is so holy, he couldn't even look at his own son because of us. Many of us are probably recognizing an inherent problem in what I've just described that we want to be blessed. God wants to bless us, but God is also holy, which means that he is separate from us and separate from our sin. If God is good, 
and wants to bless us, but is also holy and can't look on sin, how can fallen human beings receive those blessings instead of God's curse? It's a question that we will answer today. Now, we know the answer to this, right? Immediately, like, well, Jesus died on the cross. <laughs> okay. But I, I don't want us to run too quickly past this idea because we, we quickly run to the cross without allowing ourselves to feel uh, the full brunt of what it means to be cursed by God. So I'm going to do something that you have never experienced before. You, well, if you've been here for a while, you've experienced this once prior to this. But I want you to look in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I promise you, you have never, other than the one time in, in Upper Room a couple years ago, have you ever had a pastor ever read to you all of Deuteronomy chapter 28? You have heard verses 1 through 14. You've sung it in song. We're blessed in the city. We're blessed in the hill. <laughs> But we skip over verses 15 to 68. Now think about that. God wants to bless you so much, he put 14 verses in Deuteronomy 28 about it. But God is so serious about sin that he put verses 15 through 68 in there about what he will do to you if you do not obey him. Listen to what he says. I'm not even going to read all verses 1 through 14. You know that, okay? Verse 1, if you will only obey the, the Lord your God by diligently observing all his commandments that I'm commanding you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations, right? And then he goes, all of the blessed. You can be blessed in the field, blessed in the city, and all of that good stuff, okay? Listen to Freya Hammond's song. Verse 15, and I'm going to read all of these verses. So you will understand how serious God is about sin. Verse 15. But if you will not obey the Lord your God by diligently observing all his commandments and decrees, which I'm commanding you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall your basket and your shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Cursed shall be the fruit of your womb, the fruit of your ground, the increase of your cattle and the issue of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send upon you disaster and panic and frustration in everything you attempt to do until you are destroyed and perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. The Lord will make the pestilence cling to you until it has consumed you off the land that you are entering to possess. COVID-19, anyone? The Lord will afflict you with consumption, fever, inflammation, with fiery heat and drought and with blight and mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. 
The sky over your head shall be bronze and the earth under you iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land into powder and only dust shall come down upon you from the sky until you are destroyed. The Lord will cause you be to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out against them one way and flee before them seven ways. You shall become an object of horror to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your corpses shall be food for every bird of the air and animal of the earth, and there shall be no one to frighten them away. The Lord will afflict you with the boils of Egypt, with ulcers, scurvy, and itch, of which you cannot be healed. The Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. You shall grope about at noon as blind people grope in darkness, but you shall be unable to find your way. And you shall be continually abused and robbed without anyone to help. You shall become engaged to a woman, but another man will lie with her. You shall build a house, but not live in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but not enjoy its fruit. Your ox shall be butchered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be stolen in front of you and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies without anyone to help you. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people while you look on. You will strain your eyes looking for them all day, but the powerless will be, but will be powerless to do anything. A people whom you do not know shall eat up the fruit of your ground and of all of your labors. You shall be continually abused and crushed and driven mad by the sight that your eyes shall see. The Lord will strike you on the knees and on the legs with grievous boils of which you cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the crown of your head. The Lord will bring on you and the king whom you set over you to a nation that neither you nor your ancestors have known where you shall serve other gods of wood and stone. You shall become an object of horror, a proverb and a byword among all the peoples where the Lord will lead you. You shall carry much seed into the field, but shall gather little in, for the locusts shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and dress them, but you shall neither drink the, vi the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worm shall eat them. You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for the olives shall drop off. You shall have sons and daughters, but they shall not remain yours, for they shall go into captivity. All your trees and the fruit of your ground, the cicadas shall take over. <laughs> right at the end of this month. Okay. <laughs> okay. Aliens residing among you shall ascend above you higher and higher, while you shall descend lower and lower. They shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to them. They shall be the head and you shall be the tail. All these curses shall come upon you, pursuing and overtaking you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God by observing the commandments and the decrees that he commanded you. They shall be among you and your descendants as a sign and a portent forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and with gladness of heart for the abundance of everything, therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst, in nakedness 
and lack of everything. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation from far away from the end of the earth to swoop down on you like an eagle, a nation whose language you do not understand, a grim faced nation showing no respect to old or favor to young. It shall consume the fruit of your livestock and the fruit of your ground until you are destroyed, leaving you neither grain, wine and oil, nor the increase of your cattle and the issue of your flock until it has made you perish. It shall besiege you in all your towns until your high and fortified walls in which you trusted come down throughout your land. It shall besiege you in all your towns throughout the land that the Lord your God has given you. In the desperate straits to which your enemy's siege reduces you, you will eat the fruit of your womb, the flesh of your own sons and daughters whom the Lord your God has given you. I will starve you till you eat your own children. Even the most refined and gentle of men among you will begrudge food to his own brother to the wife whom he embraces, and to the last of his remaining children, giving to none of them any of the flesh of his children whom he is eating, because nothing else remains to him. In the desperate straits to which the enemy siege will reduce you in all of your towns, she who is the most refined and gentle among you, so gentle and refined that she does not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground, will begrudge food to the husband whom she embraces, to her own son and to her own daughter, begrudging even the afterbirth that comes out from between her thighs. That is what you will eat. And the children that she bears, because she is eating them in secret for lack of anything else in the desperate straits to which the enemy siege will reduce you in your towns. If you do not diligently observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, fearing this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will overwhelm both you and your offspring with severe and lasting afflictions and grievous and lasting maladies. He will bring back upon you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were in dread, and they shall cling to you. Every other malady and affliction, even though not recorded in the book of this law, the Lord will inflict on you until you are destroyed. Although once you were as numerous as the stars in heaven, you shall be left few in number because you did not obey the Lord your God. And just as the Lord took delight in making you prosperous and numerous, the same way God delighted in blessing you. And just as the Lord took delight in making you prosperous and numerous, so the Lord will take delight in bringing you to ruin and destruction. You shall be plucked off the land that you are entering to possess. The Lord will scatter you among all the peoples from one end of the earth to the other. And there you shall serve other gods of wood and stone, which neither you nor your ancestors have known. Among those nations, you shall find no ease, no resting place for the sole of your foot. 
There the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and a languishing spirit. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. Night and day you shall be in dread with no assurance of your life. In the morning you shall say, if only it were evening. And at evening you shall say, say if only it were morning. Because of the dread that your heart shall feel and the sights that your eyes shall see. The Lord will bring you back in ships to Egypt by a route that I promised you you would never see. And there you shall offer yourselves for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves. But there will be no buyer. God is saying, if you think I'm playing, try me. And the sad thing is, as we read the Old Testament, every single one of these curses was brought on the nation of Israel, even to the point of them eating their own children when they were being sieged by the nations. God is saying here that he is so serious about sin that he promises to make your life a living hell. And then he will throw you in hell. He is that serious about sin. But God is so good <laughs> that he also provides for you a way of escape. A way to escape the judgment and the curses that he has also promised in his word. And he says this in Galatians chapter 3. Now, what we just read in Galatians chapter 3 is very interesting because God promises every single person that sins and disobeys him that they will be under his curse. He is going to curse them. He is going to delight in their destruction. But yet he provides a way for you to dis escape that destruction. Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 3 that Jesus became a curse for us so that we could receive the blessing of Abraham, which is salvation. We Real quickly again, verse 10, he says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. If you try to do this on your own, you will remain under God's curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey all the things written in the book of the law. So when you say, well, I, I think I can do this. <laughs> I, I can follow God's commands. He says, you have to obey all of them perfectly. God doesn't grade on the curve. He gives you the Ten Commandments. You can't get a 90. 90. 90 is not passing. A 90 will get you burned in hell for all eternity. You have to obey all that God has said perfectly from the moment you take your first breath until the day you die. And if you do not, Paul says, you are under God's curse. Now, he says, verse 11, it is 
evident that no one is justified before God by the law. You cannot keep the law. For the law, for the one who is righteous will live by faith. He said it is by faith. But the law does not rest on faith. On the contrary, whoever does the works of the law will live by them. Christ redeemed us. He bought us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. And because he became a curse for us, we can receive the blessing of Abraham. We can be saved. Now, some people ask, well, why can't God just move on? <laughs> why can he not just move on from sin? Okay. And the answer is because God is holy. God is righteous. He is a just God. He requires justice. He can't just move on. There has to be a payment for sin. And that payment is death. Ezekiel writes, the soul who sins, it will die. However, God has provided a way for those people who are sinners to still experience his blessings by deciding that his son would be the one that is cursed in our place. Jesus became a curse for us so that we might receive the blessing of Abraham. Now, the question for us today is, what does it mean that Jesus was cursed for us? We oftentimes limit that understanding just to the physical agony that he had on the cross. But I want us to look at Numbers chapter 16, I mean, chapter six, Numbers chapter six. And uh, I, I will, will admit I am just stealing this idea. I'm just going to steal it from R.C. Sproul. God rest his soul. He in heaven. He don't need this no more. <laughs> I, I tell you, if, if you want to hear probably the best message about the cross, Google his 2008 uh, sermon from TGC, Gospel Coalition. It's called The Curse Motif of the Atonement. Okay, The Curse Motif of the Atonement. Just Google it. It's about an hour. Listen to it. I promise you, it will change completely your understanding of what took place on the cross. Okay, I'm just going to give you just this one point that he that he made here. When I heard this, I'm just like, I thought I understood the cross. I never understood the cross. He says you cannot understand what happened on the cross apart from this benediction in Numbers chapter 6. Listen to what, again, what is there in Numbers chapter 6. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. And see, this is what we do every Sunday, right? When we, we give the benediction, we're speaking God's name on you so that he will bless you. 
That's why you shouldn't leave before the benediction. <laughs> right? <laughs> okay. Listen to what he says. He says, the Lord bless you and keep you. Right? God, we want God to, to, to bless you with his presence. We want him to, to prosper you. And we want him to keep you, protect you everywhere you go. He says that the Lord will make his face to shine on you. And the idea comes directly from Moses, right? You remember in Exodus chapter 33? Moses is talking to God. And he says, God, I know that you're going to send us to the land you have promised us. But if you, if you don't go with us yourself, don't send us. Don't send us without your presence. And God says, I, I, I'm going to grant you everything that you ask for. I'll send my presence with you. And he says, uh, what, what, one more request, God. Can I see your glory? And what does God say to Moses? God recognizes exactly what Moses is saying. God says, no one can see my face and live. Moses had, had seen all of the plagues that God had, had done to Egypt. He saw all of the miracles that God had done, and that was not enough. He wanted to see God's face. That's all he wanted. And he was risking his own life just to see God face to face. I remember when I was a, a kid, I was sitting. A teenager, I would sit back and I would, I would read this passage in Exodus chapter 33. And, and I, I would imagine what it would be like to be standing on that mountain just to see God face to face. And, and that has been the desire of my life. I mean, I know people think about heaven and they think about, oh, the mansion and streets of gold. I literally have never, ever thought past the first 10 minutes of being in heaven. The only thing I ever think about when I get to heaven, I just want to see Jesus. And every time I think about it, it brings tears to my eyes. I think about my grandparents in heaven all the time. I think about my uncles in heaven all the time. But I promise you, when I walk through those gates, I'm like, hold on one second. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. I, I got somebody else I got to see. <laughs> I want to see his face. And, and that is what he's saying. God, make his face shine on you. Let God show you his face and be gracious to you. Let God lift up the count his countenance upon you and give you peace. That is life itself, <laughs> right? That, that is life itself. If you could be physically in the presence of God, that is life itself. Or as the psalmist says, your loving kindness is better than life. Bossy Sproul says, in order for us to understand what is taking place on the cross, we have to understand Numbers chapter 6. And in essence, in order for, uh, for God to bless us and keep us and make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us and lift the light of his countenance upon us and give us peace, he had to say to his son on the cross, May the Lord curse you and abandon you. May the Lord keep you in darkness and give you only judgment without grace. May the Lord turn his back on you and remove from you his peace 
forever. And he says, in the most reverent way he could say, that on the cross, God looked at his son and said, God damn you. Jesus is on the cross in our place. And God is so holy, he had to turn his back on his son. And the sun stopped shining. It was noon, but it was pitch black outside. And God is pouring out all of his wrath, his anger, and his curses that belong to you on his son. So in order for God to say, God bless us, he had to curse Jesus. In order for God to keep us, he had to abandon Jesus. In order for God to make his face shine on us, he had to place Jesus in the dark. In order for God to be gracious to us, he had to give Jesus judgment without grace. In order to lift the light of his countenance on us, he had to turn his back on Jesus. And in order to give us peace, he had to remove his peace from his son. Now, oftentimes we think only about the physical pain that Jesus was in. Can you imagine the relationship that Jesus had with his father? Says that they were one (laughs) from all eternity. John chapter 1 says that Jesus is the son who is in the bosom of the father, right? That, that relationship was so close, it could be described as a, as a mother who nurses their child on their bosom. And then the father abandons him and rejects him and turns his back on him in his weakest moment, pouring out his wrath and curses. Jesus was not just in physical pain. Jesus was experiencing all of the isolation that we deserve. Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual separation from the the Father, and he felt that abandonment. He became a curse for us, meaning he was cursed in our place. So that we could be saved, or as Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, so that we could receive the blessing of Abraham. And that is what the cross is all about. The cross is the place where Jesus took the curses, all of the curses that we that was listed, right? And all of the curses that will be poured out on on the people who are, are outside of the blood of Jesus for all eternity. Jesus took all that on himself. So that we could receive the blessings of God. So how can a holy God bless 
those who are sinners? The answer is that the curse has to be poured out on someone in our place. And Jesus took the punishment, the curses that are due to us, not just in our past, because we sin every single day. And we think it's funny. We laugh about it. Oh, I'm just going to forgive, you know, pray for forgiveness later. But all of those curses that would be accruing to us today, Jesus took that upon himself. And then he declared for us, it is finished. So that now we receive blessings from God and not curses. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for allowing us just a glimpse of what it took for you to give up your life on the cross. As R.C. Sproul said in, in that sermon, that he, he's been studying this topic for 50 years, and it's still impossible for us to scratch the surface of what you went through on the cross. We pray, Lord, that as we come to this time of reflection, that we would come with the most seriousness that we can muster. Help us to see that the curse that you took upon yourself and all of the curses listed in all of Scripture, including being burned in hell for all eternity, we deserve those curses because we don't obey all of your commands. And oftentimes we intentionally disobey your commands. And yet in your goodness, in your grace, and in your mercy, you continue to pour out your blessings on us. And we never or we, we usually don't stop to think, how can a holy God continue to bless people who intentionally and sometimes unknowingly disobey? And the answer is that those curses have been poured out on your son. We thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much that you became a curse for us. You, the holy God yourself, took on you sin. And was abandoned by your father. Rejected by your father for us. And because of that, even though we continue to sin, we receive blessings and not curses. And I pray, Lord, that every single day that we live, we would keep this in our mind because the author of Hebrews, Paul, says that when we continue to sin after knowing you, what we're doing is taking the blood of your sacrifice and trampling it under our feet. Forgive us, Lord, for treating your blood and your sacrifice so casually. I pray, Lord, that you would 
shape our hearts and minds to love you above our sin. Help us to see what it costs you in order to give us the blessing of salvation. And as we reflect on that, I pray that it would help us to choose to love you and to obey you with a full heart every day of our lives. But we thank you because you know that we are flesh, that we are humans, and we will often fail you. And it is in those times that because of Jesus, we can come to you and confess our sins, knowing that you are faithful and you are just to forgive us of our sins. And you will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You will treat us as if we've never sinned. We thank you for your holiness, but we also thank you for your great grace. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray and ask all of these things. Amen. 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 Let us continue to.